What did you read in chapter 2? Okay, it's an, it was an eschatology, right? Right? You don't know what is an eschatology. Eschatology is the study of the future. Okay. We go through chapter 2. But we. Okay, okay, okay. And we are done with the ocean book again. Okay, there's no problem. Um, this morning, let's quickly go to Galatians. Although I don't like the way we do that. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, chapter 3. We took those two long chapters and we couldn't actually explain. Especially that chapter 2. It's about Yes, we should have done a thorough study of chapter 2 because if I want to take you all the Yes, you shouldn't go through the whole chapter like that. It, it was deeper than the way we took it. It was because it was if you were to if I were to be the room. I know I'm going to take that person to the scriptures. Alright. Okay, now let's go to Galatians. I've told you after seven days, I don't know how we go through it. Galatians, Galatians chapter uh, 1. Let's open verse 1. So we have a string of text. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by God or by Jesus Christ. And God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me on the churches of Galatia. Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for us? Who gave himself for us? For who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Okay, now let's stop in that verse 5 and we'll take it bit by bit like that. Now, this morning we see that the call of God. It's not just the choice of man. And um, I have drawn the attention of people to this part of the scriptures. That each time you open your scriptures and see Apostle Paul writing, you won't see him say, I am Apostle Paul. No, he was not Apostle Paul. He was Paul. 
and apostle. And then, why is it that it's not apostle? Because it's not a title, it's a calling, a principle. Hallelujah. 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 It wasn't a title. It was a call. Paul, an apostle, the one that is given the ministry of apostle, when he ceases doing that work of an apostle, he ceases being an apostle. How does that shame us in this generation? That we have archbishops, most senior evangelists, most senior archbishops, all those kind of um, titles. You know what, what amazes me is that why would the Son of God die to rescue us from the power of darkness? And what people will do is to start accruing titles over what caused God to get on his own. You know, there's this bishopic, uh, I think maybe the bishopic title or the archbishopic title that when you are, you are, I don't know, maybe it's not coronation, but it's after you have been, you've, you've been made a, a bishop, henceforth they will appoint two men to you that will carry road with you all along or anywhere you go. That is satanic. So Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised from the dead. So he was not just an apostle, and the church of all who later came to join the apostles in Jerusalem. It was only Paul that was qualified to be called an apostle. And it was not an apostle because he chose to, but because he was appointed. I have two minutes more. And all the brethren which are with me under the church of Galatians, grace to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, where we stop, he said, who gave himself for us? Why was Paul appointed an apostle? Because he was to represent Christ and preach to the nations of the world that Christ had given himself for us. And that begins to, 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 to bring us into the understanding of what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. What is the gospel? The gospel is the message that is proclaimed about the fact that Christ had given himself for our sins. Like I was reading yesterday night, Romans 4, Romans chapter 4 verse 23 that he was offered for our offenses and why had he done this because this is the requirement of justice if you are going to walk in this world on earth unharassed unassaulted unaffected negatively not undepressed untouched by the devil we need to receive the offer Christ carried so the apostleship ministry is very vital in in that it becomes uh, uh, the apostle becomes god's messenger the one god had appointed not just to preach but to go to every extreme to declare what christ have done and what did do he delivered us uh, by his own blood um, from this present evil world and this thing is not just that it happened and god wanted to to make it to favor him no in Ephesians chapter 1, we read that this had been what had been the mind of God before the foundation of the world. And yet again, we are seeing that this thing that Christ did, he did according to the will of God and our Father. 
to whom be the glory forever and ever. Let's see Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Very important. Romans chapter 1, verse 1, verse 1 and 2. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. Hallelujah. Separated unto the gospel. Now, why have I read these scriptures? I read the scriptures to prove the fact that there is a need for the apostleship or there's the call, there's a need for the call to be an apostle because there is the gospel to preach. So an apostle or the apostleship uh, ministry or calling is a ministry that is required because Christ had died. Paul, the servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel, which was promised afore by the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Hallelujah. So who is an apostle? One who had been separated to preach the gospel. One who had been separated to declare what Christ has done for us. And what is the gospel that which the prophet has proclaimed um, in the Holy Scriptures. Now we're going to pray this morning. The Father, I submit to your call in my life that whatever you have called me, that I will use it not as a title. I will not just be evangelist tosin, I will be tosin the evangelist. I will not just be evangelist Anna, I will be Anna the evangelist. And why am I this? I am that because Christ did something which I am to proclaim. The Lord help me to be a responsible child. Help me to make my election sure. Can you pray in the name of the Lord Jesus? Father, help me to make my election sure. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That I will not be carried away by title or by positions. But that the call and the purpose of the call will drive me to work as expected by you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Dear Lord, I give you all the praise for this morning. Your word has come to us and you show us a revelation that you are not giving us titles over the death of your son. Rather, you are calling us to responsibility. Lord Jesus, we know salvation is a call and is a call to responsibility, called to be accountable. Father, help us to be accountable to you and help us to live the essence of the death of Christ who, had, who was delivered to deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God. Thank you because of this very privilege of being a partaker of this design. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. This is the good news. That the claim of justice had been made. Consequentially, you can know God for yourself now. You don't need any human consultant to help you know God. And this reality we spoke about was witnessed by the prophet. In other words, that the prophet spoke about it. And it was not just what the prophet spoke about. It was also what the proof, I mean, the, the law spoke about or the law predicted. So, if the law predicted it and the prophet, it meant that the gospel was not what turned out as against what God planned. 
And that is why each time Apostle Paul takes us through God's intention, he will always include two key statements. One, it will tell us that God had done certain things according to the pleasure of his will. Two, you see Apostle Paul in his epistle kept on using the word for ordained, for knowledge, predestination. They are not just terms that are used loosely. But Apostle Paul wants us to, to grasp the omniscient nature of God. And by this, all things have been encoded into God such that they are in patterns, they are in motif. If, if anything is actually moved out of place, it has its cause in nature. You know, what I'm trying to express is the fact that God had aligned everything before they happened. The whole game is playing out as God had planned it. But maybe you are out there and you want to question me concerning the last statement. Well, it seems not to be balanced. So if I am of the opinion really, or if I'm asserting that everything we now see is God's play out, that is, it was what God had planned. Does that mean that the state of the world today was what God had planned? Am I of the opinion that God planned the state of chaos and the problems of the world? No, that's not what I'm saying. Then what is my point? If I said the whole thing is rolling out as God planned it, and again, I've just said, no, it's not the way God planned it. Or I meant that what we are seeing now is not actually what God planned. So what do I mean by it? By the fact that things are working out the way God planned it. Very simple. Can you give me some time to explain? I will explain that. When I said that God had planned all things and he had carefully put things in place, that when an element of the motif he had put together in the creation of the world is moved, it affects the course of nature. I mean that actually God planned everything out. But in response to the questions you have, does it mean that he planned chaos all along? No. Chaos is a result of the maladjustment, the malalignment of mankind, the, 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 the crooked way by which mankind are trying to shift divine justice or shift divine laws. And the result of that changing of hands or moving the landscape or the landmark is the result we have. In other words, the world today is not as God planned it. But did it take God aback? I mean, was God taking on our ways? No. And that's why we have the gospel here. 
Have you forgotten what Apostle John told us about the gospel and faith? He said, that is the victory that overcomes the world. Overcoming the world sense. Who are we fighting that we need to overcome? That is, Apostle John said, look, there is a victory that brings us into the original intention of God. In other words, the state of the world today is not the original intention. But now the original intention of God has been expressed in the gospel. So the gospel is not the alternate means by which God wants to accomplish his ends. It is the major and the only means by which God wants to restore all things. You know, let me draw your mind back to that great prophecies of Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost. After seeing many things about Christ, he mentioned the fact that it was the Jews who handed him over by their predetermination and that the Christ they have killed and they have bruised and resurrected and then God had made him the Lord over all things, even the same Christ they killed. Then he made mention of something very critical. He said, this Christ, God had received into heaven until the restoration of things. So the death of Christ is not just to birth religion. It's far beyond religion. It's not just a bargain for a life of peace. It is the re, 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 restoration of God's original intention because that intention had been soiled, had been polluted. And Christ told us about this in his parables. And I want to, mention, to, to know the fact that everything that Christ mentioned in the gospel, I mean in his teachings as recorded by the apostles, were new creation realities. Where the righteousness, I mean the right requirements, or the principles by which things you run, immediately he restored all things by state and resurrection. So things are not just apart in the kingdom. They had been aligned. And Christ came to bring back into position that which has been shifted out of focus or shifted out of point. I think a designer will understand this very well. Especially those who make patterns of clothes, maybe traditional wears like um, Ankara, like Adile. Before the production of the clothes, there is a pattern that a designer had to put together. And those patterns are made up of logos, images, pictures that depict the picture on the mind of the designer or the manufacturer of that particular clothes. The clothes you see turned out, or the pattern you see turned out on the particular clothes, was actually an impression that had been designed. Now, what you call pattern or a design is a combination of different motifs. Motifs assigned symbols put together that brings about a beauty or a pattern. Now, if a manufacturer of a cloth 
could be so careful in putting his logos together that he, he brings out that which he had planned, he had in his mind, which he designed or impressed in a template, then it's printed on his clothes and it came out well. Then, how much my God? But there are times there are errors. Maybe the error of the machine, the error of the placement of the design on the clothes, and when the clothes comes out, it's not well patterned as it was intended. I see the manufacturer design, uh, I mean, um, disappointed. And as a result of that, trying to do something to adjust or correct the errors. So the gospel is to correct the errors and the excesses seen and the shift of focus, the, the, the tampering of pattern are led to. Death is one of the consequences. Poverty is one of the consequences. Ill health is one of the consequences. War is one of the consequences. Witchcraft. Fashion and beauty. In fact, education is one of the consequences of the shift of the, of the focus of nature. The natural life, appetite, evil desires, they are all the elements that came as a result of this connection. So what was in alignment before? That man, we have no other goal, we have no other drive, we have no other passion, we have no other thing he adores, we have no other thing he admires, we have no other thing he runs around but God. That was the design. The design was that mankind, as created by God, will continuously be in uh, be dependent on God. We never be independent because His essence is an offshoot of God, came out of God. His importance came out of God. So by 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 that design, man is not to rule himself. God gave Adam a kingdom, but he was not to rule independent of God. But what went wrong? There was an interruption. Or is the divine plan? And that interruption led to separation between God and man. That interruption brought about new perception by which man judges God. You know, people feel that, or we have thought that man's ideology of God became corrupted immediately Adam ate the fruit. That was not true. The perversion of man's conception of God started before the eating of the fruit. It was the fruit that actually empowered that rebellion, as I would call it. How do I know? When the great deceiver, the serpent, the devil, the Lucifer, came to deceive Eve, what did he tell Eve? Both, both faiths to pervade, to pervert, and to misrepresent God. He said, God knows that in the day that he said this, thou shalt be like himself. What does that mean? That God is a jealous God. That this God you think loves you does not actually love you. You know that it is possible for everybody to be like God. To be like God in that they can be independent of him and live a kingdom apart from him. But if ignorant of who she had been made of, 
gullibly follow that suggestion. And that shifts the alignment. Then the focus of mankind shifted. And really, what the devil, the, the devil did not lie to that woman. That in the day that it said thou shall be God. The implication of that is that they will feel no need for God. That was what happened actually. So it was not a lie. That is why it is the, is, is, is the fruit of good and evil. What does that mean? What is that fruit all about? Some people have suggested that that fruit is sex. That's not sex. The word of God is so clear, so detailed on what this tree is. So it is a tree of the knowledge, the knowing of the good and the wrong. And that is the problem. That, that, that is what brought about the confusion we are experiencing. God knew his confusion. And God took it, the Bible said God put it at the extreme part of the wood. So perhaps the Lucifer had to take Eve and take her through a long journey to the depth of, 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 of the forest. Well, save me that story of, this, of the stress you went through in getting to the tree. The fact is that God took away confusion away from man. But man went after it. Went after it. It is a tree, God told her, of knowledge, of good and evil. I said, the day you eat it with that, in that, it's going to inject your system with confusion such that you don't know which to choose. We don't know what that, 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 that seed did to Adam. Except the fact that we know that God said they are now become like one of them. And God sent them out of the garden so that they will not eat of the fruit of life and live forever. And that's the case of the devil. He had come into that realm of confusion himself. And he had taken of the fruit of life. He cannot die. He cannot repent. He cannot change his status. He remains forever, doomed forever. But God still loving man. You know, God sending man out of the garden is not an expression of hatred. It's the expression of love. In that God knows that once man eats of the fruit of life, he becomes unredeemable. He's doomed forever. And God wanting to save man from that critical problem, how to trust him out of the garden, less that which he does not want. He said that which man will attain that he will not be redeemed. Any longer by God. But let me dwell a little on the tree that bears the fruit of good and evil. That is, this tree has two capacities. It introduces man to what is good and what is evil. But what the devil did not do is that although it shows you what is good and evil, but it will seize your will, your capability to choose what is good. That although it's a good of a tree of good and evil, but it abuses your will. It denies you the ability to do the good. Now you see, if it had been that, it's just going to give you the strength of trying to choose between two open options. And eventually, you see, have the capacity to do what is good. God wouldn't have sent that down the way. But God saw that. 
Adam had come to the terrain where he no longer has control over his will. And in order to help him correct that error, God had to push him out first. That reminds me um, what happened on the day of my introduction. You know, after we left, my father-in-law's place who came and were giving a cake. Um, and then later, I was so tired, I slept. But something woke me up, noises here and there. When I woke up, it was a quarrel. What happened? Something happened indoors. So my mom or my sister had to push my elder brother, who had gone to be with the Lord now, out of the house to prevent strife and conflict because the other party involved was unrelenting. And unfortunately, when, she, when he was pushed out, he was pushed among louds or guys on the street who had observed that something is happening in those that is raising an uproar, so to say. So they accosted him and said, why, why, why did you, why were you not complying to things? Or, they did not understand what the issue was. And that led to another problem. So mom, in keeping brother from being provoked, brought her out of the house, but three are into a problem. But that was not the case with Adam and Eve. When God threw them out, unlike my mother, God did not throw us in problem. He took us out in order to mend things and actually planned how he's going to express his love in that he will bring man back into his presence. And that is done already. Sin led to the separation of God and man. That man became a God to himself. That he thinks he can do things without God. He's independent of God. That's the problem. So God put him out to let him toil. The Bible said that God made him to toil, to see what it takes to be God. You know, when God was challenging, I was the God. Job, after Job had done his complaints and his excuses, God said, look, I want to show you what it takes to be God. I'll just give you some simple exercises. I want to bring some people dead and cover them up. I want to make the cloud to be darkened. God gave him some exercises, this that he does so easily. God said, if you are able to do this, then you are sufficient to be in my capacity. So the same thing God did. Okay, since the Lucifer told you that I lied, that you can be like God. So now that you have eaten it, one, you are suffering from confusion, which is, which is the consequence of your disobedience. Now let me push you out to see what it takes to be God, being human. And God told Adam before and said, look, out of the sweat of your eyes you eat. Meaning that, look, this thing, you don't have the capacity to run it. I own the software. I own the copyright and I gave you the license to run it. But then you can't run it without me, the manufacturer. But now, since Lucifer has deceived you that you can run it independent of me, now go and run it. Meanwhile, as God pushed Adam out to go and toy, the problem of humanity started. In Romans chapter 3, Apostle Paul described it. That man can no longer seek God. Does no longer does no longer do good. His, his imagination is evil continually. 
His throat is, 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 an, is, is, is an empty sepulchre. He swift to shed blood. That became the character of the nature of man. Evil characterized man. Another man does not know what is good. As a matter of fact, he had become a free moral agent from the time or before the time before us. Because for God to have told him not to eat, it meant that Adam could choose between what is good and wrong. But the problem is that he still possesses his own way to do and not to do. But now that they are eating the fruit, the difference between the time of the eating and before the eating was before he ate the fruit, he was a free will moral agent. He can choose actually and then he can control, he can decide what he wants to do. But now that he ate his fruit, he still becomes a free will moral agent, but something else is in control of his will. So what we call redemption in Christ is the restoration of man into God's original intention. So when I said it, I mentioned the fact that things are playing out the way God wants it to play. In that that which God had in mind initially had been expressed, but in a different pattern. Christ is the fulfillment of the law. Now what is the purpose of the law? The law is to restore man back to the kind of man God wanted him to be before the fall. And now, all through the centuries, men had, I mean, mankind had labored to be restored back by his own effort, by his own consciousness of being God in his own sight, of being intelligent. In other words, man had tried to reach, to, 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 to reach a compromise with God, to come to the place of reconciliation through his intellect, through his, intellect, through his wisdom, through his insight, through his morals, through his culture, through his belief system. But he had failed. So Christ had to come to bring man back into God's presence. So that which Adam failed have been brought. So that which God had in mind had been restored. But as long as we live in the body, we have got to keep scoring, finding out how really God wants you to live. That's very essential. So God had made known to us what he is doing. Now, the synopsis I have done so far, they are part of the revelation. God had made known to us in the gospel. Now, God is not interested in trying to do things and is not carrying you along. You know you can't overthrow him. So he declares the end from the beginning, not because he's trying to show that he's all-powerful, but so that you can cooperate alongside with him, so that you can, you can bring efforts together and spend your life in uh, depending on him to do what he wants to do in the world through you that's what we call service service not just running after the things of god it is you deadness that means submitting and applying and and and, and trying to 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 join the, the team of god so what god wants to do will not just be done by one means or the other but that you will be the channel through whom he expresses his counsel i still have more, more, one more thing to see before i leave that issue of the tree of Good and evil. Never you forget what I mentioned so far. One, I said it is the tree that brought about the confusion that is in the world. Sickness is a confusion that men cannot sort. Poverty is a confusion. Harassment, the depression of the devil is part of the confusion. Accident, untimely death, poverty, violence, wickedness in the heart of man, hypocrisy, hatred. Drunkenness ritual and all forms of evil that characterize the world, they are product of that fruit.
of good and evil. And check it. Look at the metaphor used. The Bible calls it the, the, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And check that. Knowledge is not just the fruit of, of knowledge of the fruit of good and evil. Mm. Knowledge that is the fruit produces something in man. The knowing of what is good and what is wrong. But prior to the fall, all that man was surrounded with and man is occupied with is that which is good and that is nothing but God. You know, when a man came to Christ and said, Christ, you know that thou are a good teacher and uh, you came from God. Jesus Christ said, no one is good except God. In Romans chapter 11, Apostle Paul said, behold, the goodness of God. To us that believe it is good. So God is goodness. Genesis chapter 1. And God created all things. And God said, behold, it is good. Well, that means admiration that this thing is correct. But if you want to look at it by the implication or by, 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 by what God was expressing, God said, look, these are expressions of me because I am goodness. And even Christ told us that, look, no one is good but God. So, that fruit brought the problem. That man cannot choose what is good again. Because what he was surrounded by all the while had been what is good all the while. But immediately he ate of the fruit. Now he became confused. Because he's now confronted in the strength of option. Before then, man, it's just like, God has people who have had, had um, our body experience. Once you are a child of God, you step out of your body, you are preoccupied with everything that is good. You don't have a thought of, of, of what to eat, what not to eat, what to do rightly. There is something that possesses the nature of God, which is expressed in love, joy and peace. That was the state Adam was. But immediately he ate of that fruit. He was confused that he could not even maintain focus on God. That even if he wanted to maintain the crowd, because now he is divided. So division is one of the products of that tree. The Bible calls it the fruit of the tree of good and evil. I'm going to check that so I can put the actual word of the scriptures. And the word of God was careful to tell us the result. He said, the day you eat it, that day you will die. So death is the product of sin. And that's what we call sin. So what took Adam out of the garden was not that he wore trousers. He wore earrings. But as a matter of fact, after the fall, such, such things are, were not even available. On the time of Enoch. It was during the time of Enoch when the angels invaded the world, they come with technology. They, I mean, they came with technology. They came with inventions. The Bible called them the evil inventors. Romans chapter 1. They invented evil that took man further away from God. So sin is the departure of man from God. Is man stepping into the state of confusion and losing his will to choose that which is good, which is God. So God is the good which man cannot, cannot choose. So when God said that in the day you he said in the day you eat it, you die. He said this tree, it, it, it has the fruit of good and if you know that word, God said, Look, the day you eat all this fruit, you I, you lose focus on it. And your focus starts coming to yourself, to the devil who deceived you, and may God. And the problem is that because you have eaten it, that fruit will pollute your your human nature in that it will seize your will to choose me who is good and you go after evil. I will never know what this means 
until Apostle Paul begins to reveal to us the dilemma of a natural man. And that's in Romans chapter 7. We begin to say that he discovers that he knows what is good actually. But there is the motion of sin. I, I like that scripture. Um, Romans 7 verse 5. When we were in the flesh, the motion of sins that was in our member took occasion of the flesh. In other words, immediately Adam ate that fruit, there was something that was set in motion. And that thing was so powerful that what Adam would control and took advantage of Adam's ignorance, Adam's disobedience, Adam's independence of God, they make Adam to do that which he does not want to. The life of Apostle Paul has, 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 has contained in Romans chapter 7, in that man begins to struggle with the law, in that he cannot attain the, 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 the perfection he has seen in his mind, is the reality that Adam struggles with. And as a result of that, his body was too weak to hold such confusion, so it breaks down in sickness. Nature was badly affected by this evil that nature became corrupt. So things went out of hand, and there was a problem in the world. Let me show you that scripture. Two things I want to do. I will show you that scripture in Genesis that talks about the tree of good and evil. I actually want to check the lexim, I mean the phrase the scripture used in describing that tree so we can pick it accurately. Then I will take you to Romans chapter 7 to show you the effect of Adam's disobedience. And that effect is the nature of man. It's what we call the nature of man. It's what we call the natural man. What Christ did was to restore us back to God. And maybe I'll show you that scripture in Acts chapter 2 where Apostle Paul mentioned that Christ had been received into heaven until the restoration of things, until man come into the reality of what he had done. And even in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Apostle Paul told us that Christ had swallowed up in victory and now he's at the right hand of God waiting until his enemy is put under his footstool. How is the enemy put under his footstool? Until man, until mankind is able to see that which Christ had brought for us, that which he had reinstated us with by sacrifice, such that the life God meant for Adam that was contaminated and interrupted now can be lived to this fullest. And that was why I said everything is playing out the way God wanted it. Even in your life as an individual, if you are a child of God, your life has been planned. Romans chapter 8, we know that all things work together for those who love God. Not for everybody, but as long as you love God. And what does it mean to love God? To love God there means to those who have come into salvation. Because salvation is the expression of God's love. So receiving salvation is receiving God's love. So when we receive that love, that's how we love God. You know, people think loving God is going to church. Praying, reading your Bible, listening to good songs, that's loving God. No, it is loving God to salvation. It is accepting the offer. So apostles say that all things work together for the good of those who love God, that those who have come to know God in salvation. And those who have caught are caught according to his purpose. That is the repetition of the same thing. Being caught according to God's purpose is still loving God because now you have responded to God's call and salvation is that call. The Bible calls it an holy calling. Jude calls it your Jude, 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 Apostle Jude calls it your most holy thing. 
Well, let me show you that scriptures. I'm going to read from verse 5 to 9. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a rain to till the ground. You know, one of the things I want to review, maybe in, in further discussions, in our places of you know that the purpose of this ministry is just to explain God. Well, that's the goal of the scriptures. The scriptures was given not just for us to satisfy our appetites in stories, in drama and poetry. The purpose of the scripture is to portray God, is to make us to seek God for ourselves, not just as a dog, but as a human being who is striving towards an end. Now, one of the things I want to know about God is that God is not just irrational. He does not just do things like He wants. God is a God of principle. Now, He's not just a God of principle in that He works by principle, but that even His own self is born by His principles. And his principles are his word. He does not do end outside outside his own principles. He does not say because he's God. He does things he likes. No, he doesn't. It is by principle. There are times he uses veto power, which we can't question. And even that, Apostle Paul told us that what we call veto power or the supremacy of God is not just a loser of doing this. It is a supremacy as expressed in the purpose he has, he has proposed in himself. Now, in knowing God, we've got to know that He's a God of principle. Because if you don't know this, you are going to be bitter. You think God just does things, and sometimes when things happen to you, when things happen to you, you think God has not treated you well. That's not true. He's a God of order. And that orderness is, is expressed in the place of principle. He's even governed by principle. God said, said I exalt my word more than my name. What are His words? His words are His principles. The Bible said that, I, I think that should be uh, Psalm chapter 8. He said, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. He said, The testimony of the Lord is sure, making what is simple. He said, The law of the Lord are good together. They are perfect altogether. In other words, God is consistent, not because He wants to be consistent, but because His consistency is rooted in His principles, His word. So God's faithfulness is not measured in what He does. It's not measured in what He says. It's not measured as in the way He, he does things, the way He uses His supremacy in sovereignty, the way He uses His supremacy in His omniscience, the way He uses His supremacy in His omni, om, omnipotence. But His sovereignty is expressed in the fact that He had outlined principles by which He operated. So when he told Adam, these are the things you have to eat, these are not the things you eat. The day you eat it, you will die. God is showing him what is part of him. I am a God of principle. I am not evil. It's just like a teacher telling a student, Rich, come to school. Ensure that you are in school by seven. If you are not in school by seven, the gate will be locked and you are going to be punished. So when that student comes eight o'clock, you know when that student is punished, it was not that the teacher is being wicked. The teacher is just being fair because he had given out his law. And that's why even today, God is revealing to us in the gospel what God is going to judge. Because at the end of your lifetime, that is what he's going to judge. So he wouldn't want us to come on the verge of eternity. Then he begins to disclose to us what is taking. 
So I'm not just gambling, trying to do this, trying to do that, and I'm being confused of what God is actually looking for in my life. No, I know what he's looking for. His requirement is that I put trust in his son, Jesus Christ. I receive his righteousness and I live that righteousness. And if I can do that, I am eternally secured of him. That is God's goal in salvation. So we are not gambling here. We know what is obtainable. Now, why am I saying that? Look at that. God told Adam. Do this and don't do that. If you do this, this will be the result. And if you do this, will be what you see. That is principle. And that is God. So God's faithfulness, God's righteousness, is expressed that is a God that is straightforward in dealings with people. In his dealings with people. Although it is also expressed, expressed in his dealings with us, in how he does things, in how he talks, in his faithfulness, in his consistency. But that consistency, how he dealt with people, how he does things, is all understood in his principles and that is why he exalts his word his principles above it who he is he will not break his principles why have i said that god in genesis chapter 1 i told her that the air should bring forth every herb of the field that is every green leaves or every tree everything that has to do with plantation god commanded it to be but god ensured us principles said look although i have commanded it i will not break my own principle i will cause a mist to go on the face of the earth in order to soften the face so that this thing i have spoken can come through principle god so when you are praying for a blessing you don't see that blessing coming into your life maybe you are praying for employment you pray and fasted for employment and it didn't come to you do not be bitter against god god is not bitter it's not it's not victimizing you it's not just making to go through unnecessary rigor, unnecessary pains, unnecessary bitterness, unnecessary uh, delay in your life. There are principles. What you've got to, to find out is why am I having this delay in my life? And begin to find out principles that bring solution. The reason why my, I mean, mankind have not been productive in some certain areas of life because they have left everything to chance. They left it to prayer. Aside prayer, they do nothing again. But prayer is just one of the principles, one of the ways we can, we can do things. Or we can influence or get God involved in a matter which he is involved in before. It is our way of expressing our dependence on God, which is one of the core, core principles of God. That man can live but not independent of him. So prayer is not just a means of begging God to come and intervene or come and do things in your favor. It is practically God's mechanisms of of making us to depend on him so that that which he wants to do can be battered through us and so that he can check the outflow, the outburst of the confusion that have been injected into man because of the disobedience of it, of Ida. Okay, now, we saw that. Now, let me continue. Verse 9. And there went up a mist from the earth and watered the old face of the ground. God would have caused the whole thing to grow up. But it should principle that okay, I want this thing, but there are things I have to put in place. So sometimes the reason why you, things are the way they are is because beside prayer, after you have prayed, after you have fasted, after you have meditated, after you are you are, you, are, you, are, you have done good works, there are other things you have to put in place for the result to desire to come. Look at what Apostle Paul told us in Roman, in Hebrews chapter ten. He said, "You have need of patience that after you have done." The will of God, you may inherit the promise. In other words, the will of God is one of the things you do. That is, knowing what God wants to do on a particular matter is the will of God. Okay. Now, after you've done all you've known that God wants you to do, then you have got to wait for patience. So, patience is one of the basic principles of the gospel. 
Hebrews chapter 6. Let us follow the step of those who by faith and patience in there. There is a patience. It becomes an element in the way God does this. God said, let the earth bring forth. But God said, before this happened, God has to do principle. So in knowing God, we have to know God that is a God of principle. And one of the reasons why I said we have to know God to be a God of principle is because if you don't know that is a God of principle, you think you can just influence him to do anything, even against his will. You think you can just, I mean, try to influence him to your favor. You know, if God is not the God of principle, man would have made him to do things against himself that eventually we regret. And that's one of the wisdom of God, that he does things not just by your request, he does things by the counsel of his will. And that is wisdom for us, believers. Do not just let people, do not just allow people to influence, to do some things against your will. Our principles, we are principled. Being principled is a practice, a trait we cut from God. Not all events you attend, not all parties you go, not all food you, you attend. You know, I was reading a book, doing just a, a review of that book. The author says that one of the reasons why relationships don't work sometimes is because we are too loose, we are too committed, we, 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 are too, we, are too, we are too exposed to people that they take us for granted. No principles. We don't know when to be involved and when to withdraw. And how many people have lost their life for this? Verse 7. Actually, let me tell you my goal. My goal is we want to check the phrase that is used to describe the tree Adam ate. That's where we are going to. But as we are reading, we are seeing some things the Lord is showing us. Now, and the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostril the breath of life, and man became a living soul. There was a particular time I did a, a study on the living soul. Man is a living soul. That is a sensitive being. Is a sensitive response. That is, is a man that can be influenced by things around him. So God was the early influence to man before the devil came to influence man. He was a living. He's a responsive being. It's not just a dog. He's a living soul that he has a free will. He can choose. He has intellect. But the Dominant influence before the fall was God. So, the devil was an interruption in the original plan. And bless God, he was defeated. That's why the scripture said there is a victory that overcomes the world. Why do you overcome it? Who are we fighting with that we need to overcome? The devil. He had not only corrupted God's initial plan, he had also counterfeited it into different religions. But let's go. What was the problem of man? That's what we are tracing. And the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put man, just a garden in Eden. Eden is the location. A garden within Eden. So Eden is larger than the garden. In other words, Adam occupied a fraction of the whole garden, not the whole of the garden. And I believe that that is just a test on that. If you can dominate this space, then you can move to the larger dimension. The whole garden is just, but manage a garden first. The whole Eden rather is just God made. But why don't you manage a garden? If you can properly maintain a garden, then I will give you the whole, I mean, maintain a, 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 a location, then I will give you the whole garden. That's principle. And that's very correct when we say that when you are not, when you are not faithful in the least, God cannot give you more. 
The way to increasing your gifts in the kingdom is not by accumulating more or learning more, it's by using. The more you use, the more it's accumulated. It's a divine principle. God tied it with Adam. He planted a garden. Out of the old world, God created the heaven and the earth, but he didn't give Adam all the earth. In the whole of the earth, he had to plant a garden, a location. And in the whole of the uh, of the earth then, he had to create a garden out of Eden. Eden is a wide range, although people said it wasn't the location, it was God's presence. But within that presence, within that scope of atmosphere, God said there is a garden, a place you have to master. The whole Eden is for him to explore. But let's see how he manages this garden. I'm not trying to build a dot in other plants. We are going somewhere. And they put man and woman they are formed out of the ground. The Lord made to grow. Okay. And the Lord planted a garden east so I'm ready to give visits in Eden. And there he put man and woman he had made, woman he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God, out of the ground, made the Lord to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food and the tree of life also in the midst of the garden not in the front or at the back in the midst at the center at the thick or dense forest that even Adam, you know god took it out of sight he didn't just carelessly leave it there and Adam won the stumble or even won the stumble so it took a long conversation and a journey to get to where the tree was. And check it, it was not hunger that led to it. Because the Bible said that everything that Adam needed to eat, I mean, that is good for food, had been provided dead. And everything that he could play around, that is, ad that is admiring, God gave Adam recreation. It was not that the life was too bored for him. And since he, find, he could not find anything, he only discovered it and was playing around it. He said, look, let me read that scripture again. And out of the ground, made the Lord to grow. Every tree that is pleasant for the sight, that is not meant for eating. But if it comes to be, what, what should stimulate you? What should, what, should, what, should, what should appeal to you? God puts it there. Decorous environment. One, and good for food. The tree of life was also in the mix of of the garden now check the word the tree of life that would supplies life so adam has a constant supply of life so everything everything ever needed was supplied so that he deviates or or or, or he played or he he, 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 he he contradicts divine law divine principle divine motive was not because god was actually victimizing him or or denying him of basic needs everything he ever needed had been made but because it's a free will moral agent, God said, look, I kept in the midst of the garden a tree of knowledge of good and evil. In fact, it's not even the fruit. It's the tree. It's an embodiment. And a tree is a representation of an ideology. A tree, a structure, A tree, a food, a convenience, a beauty, 
an intellect, a technology, an invention, call it whatever. But it has it it it, it gives you knowledge of good and evil. In other words, if you are to render that word, the knowledge of good and evil in the modern world, we will call it it makes you to know what is good and evil. So it was a tree. When Adam ate it, God said, Why did you eat it? Because of this, and God begins to cause them. You say, oh, God is irrational. irrational. Why would he start causing them? Now, before that, it's good I mentioned that that tree and the fact that God mentioned the tree to Adam reveals something about God is integrity. He didn't keep anything back without telling principles. He made him know that this is the truth, this is what he's capable of doing. So why did Adam fail? Because one, he, he restrained the information from his wife, and two, because he did not believe God. So rebellion against God begins from lack of faith. And that's why the Bible said that those who are unbelieving will be cast into the lake of fire. John chapter 3, Christ said that whoever does not believe the Son is condemned already because he had not believed the testimony of God. So that was the sin of Adam. He did not believe the testimony of God that there is a trick capable of making him to be confused forever. And that confusion will take him further away from God. Now let me show you in, in, in a scripture the effect of that tree. Because in Genesis we never saw the effect of that tree except that we know that God sent them out of the garden and when they left the garden, Adam would start toiling started toiling and then not too long they had children and then there was chaos came out to rise against Abel and then there was problem population begins to increase then men begin to call on the name of the Lord then after which angels invaded the earth but what that tree that tree that tree did for Adam was never told us what possible made us to realize that let me quickly show you that I'll do that as fast as I could what was the effect of the tree? Romans chapter 5, no, I mean chapter 7, verse 5. Let me start from 5. Let me read from verse 5. I'm going to read selective. It's a long scripture. Wherefore, my brethren, we, are, we also have become dead to the law by the body of Christ. Now, why was the law given? The law was an app device to help man come back to his normal state. But yet, man find it very difficult to do that which the Lord said. So cannot stay attain God's righteousness, God's requirement for her by the law. And that was what necessitated Christ coming. Because what the law could not do in that, it was, it was what Christ did for us. And what was that? On the account of sin, condemned sin in the body. So the fruit injected man with a poison, he can't recover from. Wherefore, my brethren, we are also become dead to the law. That is because law cannot help us. Now God has taken it away. We are dead to the law. We don't pay attention to the law. Now we can connect with God, not by the basis of do and don't. Now we know what is peace because now, because now we have received God's spirit. We become dead to the law by the body of Christ that we should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead. So now we can be married back to God. To be married means to be made one with God. So that was what I said. Things are running out for us believers the way God wanted it to run out. 
Maybe you lost somebody so dear to your loved ones. No, the one of the greatest assault we can ever have is the loss of loved ones. And sometimes the reason why God does it because he does it in his own sovereign power. He allows it sometimes. He deliberately picks them. One, to make us concentrate. Two, to give us focus so that we can know that hey, nobody is too strong to die. And so that we can learn the lesson of not possessing anything although we own them in this world. And number three is, um, is, is it could be a test of faith like people used to claim. And one of the things the devil wants to gain in trying to assault us Although it can't overcome us because we overcame by our faith. It's just to make us bitter against God. So, I don't want to know what you are going through. If what you are going through currently is making to be bitter or to change your opinion about God, then God is not dealing with you as a child. The Bible said in Romans chapter, in Hebrews chapter 10, the writer says that one of the signs of love is, 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 is chastening. However, the father loves his chastening, although he said no chastening is present for the time. But when you receive that shit, you will bless God. So when anything happens so difficult to you, do not let the devil poison your mind. Don't be bitter. Trust him. He is a good father. So we are married. We come one to another, even to him who is dead from the who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth, that we should bring fruit towards God. Now we can now bring fruit. Now, Adam cannot stand in the presence of God because the fruit of that tree separating from God. But now, we have been brought into the tree of life. We have now taken of the tree of life. Now, the problem had received solution in Christ. And now we can now bring fruit that desire God. Or by desiring God. Now, where I'm going? Now, some people begin to ask, was this place describing Paul before he became saved or after he became saved? This is Paul's life before salvation. He's sharing his experience, what it means to be a natural man. And what the grace of God had done is that they picked up from where we used to be to where we are now in Christ. That is expressed clearly in Ephesians chapter 2. Now, verse 5. For when we are in the flesh, the motion of sins which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Now, check the word, the motion, the effect of sin, the effect of the tree in man did work death in our members. Kills man. Now, Apostle Paul here was talking on the second dimension. Now, he was talking from the law. In the case of Adam, it was not the law, it was the fruits. So God tried, in fact, at the elevated level. Now, this is when God had elevated this problem of sin that God gave law, at least to help to, to alleviate or pall palliate the problem of sin. Paul said that there is no difference. Then I once, then I begin to think how difficult would it have been for Adam when there was no even law to alleviate the effect of sin. So Christ did something great for you. And that's why you will be forever grateful to what you have done. And the greatest harm you can do is to reject this. Verse 6. But now we are delivered from the law. We are delivered from that fruit and its effect. Being dead hearing, being dead, we are then we are heard. That in old Adam that heard all them. But we should serve in newness of spirit. Now we have, can serve God in newness of spirit, not in the oldness of letter. Let's, let's see the effects of that tree. Let me jump to verse 12. Let me read from verse 9. Okay, let me read from verse 8. But since taking occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law, sin was dead. 
For I was alive without the loved ones, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. In other words, sin makes man to lose his consciousness of sanity. So the law brings a man to the consciousness of the effect of good and evil, really, as it were. So sin is the deadness of a man's consciousness to sanity and God's requirement. But in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are installed. That's what Apostle Paul is saying. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. This is still the effect of the fruit. For sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me, and by its living. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and just and good. So the commandment is not evil. The law is not evil. That is what man should be. But man finds it very difficult to resolve, to reconnect, to reconcile to what it is to be. Until Christ came. The law could not bring us to that place we were removed from because of the disobedience and carelessness, the carelessness of Adam. But the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ brought us there. So righteousness is a life that is good as God is good. It's a life that is just as God is just. It's a life that is holy as God is holy. And that is not attainable by the law of Moses, by your conscience, by devotion to ethics. You know, some people believe that ah, me, but you know, I'm very good people. I'm going nicely. So uh, nothing evil should happen to me. It's a lie. If you don't know God, you, 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 you can't be free. Let me jump. I just have two minutes. Okay, let me just see. Okay, let me go to 21. I find then a law that when I was, when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warning against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity of the law of sin, which is in my members. O rich man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this sin? And he said, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Now, what's the conclusion of the whole issue? That the, the fruit, the tree of knowledge of knowledge of good and evil is a tree that made it very impossible for man to live rightly, for man to desire God. And Christ came to put an end to that problem. So things had been restored back as God planned it. So you can stand up and say, Father, thank you because I'm restored. I am no longer struggling with sin because sin had been removed. That which made it very difficult for man to live rightly as Apostle Paul had mentioned. I've been taking away. Now I can live the kind of life God wanted me to live. Little wonder Apostle Paul said, we have written to you so that you can know how you ought to live. And sometimes you write, it will write, saying that we have to live a life worthy of the gospel. We have to live a life worthy of our calling. In other words, we have been empowered to live the life God wanted us to live. Bless God for this grace. Can you This is the good news. That the claim of justice had been made. Consequentially, you can know God for yourself now. You don't need any human consultant to help you know God. And this reality we spoke about was witnessed by the prophet. In other words, that the prophet spoke about it. And it was not just what the prophet spoke about. It was also what the prophet, I mean, the, the law spoke about, or the law predicted. So, if the law predicted it, 
and the prophet, it meant that the gospel was not what turned out as against what God planned. And that is why each time Apostle Paul takes us through God's intention, he will always include two key statements. One, it will tell us that God had done certain things according to the pleasure of his will. Two, you see Apostle Paul in his epistle kept on using the word for ordained, for knowledge, predestination. They are not just terms that are used loosely. But Apostle Paul wants us to, to grasp the omniscient nature of God. And by this, all things have been encoded into God such that they are in patterns, they are in motive. If, if anything is actually moved out of place, it has its cause in nature. You know, what I'm trying to express is the fact that God had aligned everything before they happened. The whole game is playing out as God had planned it. But maybe you are out there and you want to question me concerning the last statement. Well, this seems not to be balanced. So if I am of the opinion really, or if I'm asserting that everything we now see is God's play out, that is, it was what God had planned. Does that mean that the state of the world today was what God had planned? I'm of the opinion that God planned the state of chaos and the problems of the world. No, that's not what I'm saying. Then what is my point? If I said the whole thing is rolling out as God planned it, and again, I've just said, no, it's not the way God planned it. Or I meant that what we are seeing now is not actually what God planned. So what do I mean by it? By the fact that things are working out the way God planned it. Very simple. Can you give me some time to explain? I will explain that. When I said that God had planned all things and he had carefully put things in place, that when an element of the motif he had put together in the creation of the world is moved, it affects the course of nature. I mean that actually God planned everything out. But in response to the questions you have, does it mean that he planned chaos all along? No. Chaos is a result of the maladjustment, the malalignment of mankind, the, 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 the crooked way by which mankind are trying to shift divine justice or shift divine laws. And the result of that changing of hands or moving the landscape or the landmark is the result we have. In other words, the world today is not as God planned it. 
But did it take God aback? I mean, was God taking on as No. And that's why we have the gospel here. Have you forgotten what Apostle John told us about the gospel and our faith? Say that is the victory that overcomes the world. Overcoming the world sense. Who are we fighting that we need to overcome? That is Apostle John said, look, there is a victory that brings us into the original intention of God. In other words, the state of the world today is not the original intention. But now the original intention of God has been expressed in the gospel. So the gospel is not the alternate means by which God wants to accomplish his ends. It is the major and the only means by which God wants to restore all things. You know, let me draw your mind back to that great prophecies of Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost. After seeing many things about Christ, he mentioned the fact that it was the Jews who handed him over by their predetermination and that the Christ they have killed and they have bruised and resurrected and then God had made him the Lord over all things, even the same Christ they killed. Then he made mention of something very critical. He said, this Christ God had received into heaven until the restoration of things. So the death of Christ is not just to birth religion. It's far beyond religion. It's not just a bargain for a life of peace. It is the re, 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 restoration of God's original intention because that intention had been soiled, had been polluted. And Christ told us about this in his parable. And I want to, mention, to, to know the fact that everything that Christ mentioned in the gospel, I mean in his teachings as recorded by the apostles, were new creation realities. Where the righteousness, I mean the right requirements, or the principles by which things you wrong, immediately he restored all things by death and resurrection. So things are not just apart in the kingdom, they had been aligned. And Christ came to bring back into position that which has been shifted out of focus or shifted out of point. I think a designer will understand this very well. Especially those who make patterns of clothes, maybe traditional wears like um, Ankara, like Cadillac. Before the production of the clothes, there is a pattern that a designer had to put together. And those patterns are made up of logos, images, pictures that depict the picture on the mind of the designer or the manufacturer of that particular clothes. The clothes you see turned out or the pattern you see turned out on the particular clothes was actually an impression that had been designed. 
Now, what you call pattern or a design is a combination of different motifs. Motifs are signs, symbols put together that brings about a beauty or a pattern. Now, if a manufacturer of a cloth could be so careful in putting his logo together that he, he brings out that which he had planned, he had in his mind, which he designed or impressed in a template, then it's printed on his cloth and it came out well. Then, how much my job? But there are times there are errors. Maybe the error of the machine, the error of the placement of the design on the clothes, and when the clothes comes out, it's not well patterned as it was intended. I see the manufacturer design, uh, I mean, um, disappointed. And as a result of that, trying to do something to adjust or correct the errors. So the gospel is to correct the errors and the excesses seen and the shift of focus, the, the, the tampering of pattern are led to. Death is one of the consequences. Poverty is one of the consequences. Ill health is one of the consequences. War is one of the consequences. Witchcraft. Fashion and beauty. In fact, education is one of the consequences of the shift of the, of the focus of nature. The natural life, appetite, evil desires, they are all the elements that came as a result of this connection. So what was in alignment before? That man, we have no other goal, we have no other drive, we have no other passion, we have no other thing he adores, we have no other thing he admires, we have no other thing he runs around but God. That was the design. The design was that mankind, as created by God, will continuously be in uh, be dependent on God. We never be independent because His essence is an offshoot of God, came out of God. His importance came out of God. So by 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 that design, man is not to rule himself. God gave Adam a kingdom, but he was not to rule independence of God. But what went wrong? There was an interruption. Or is the divine plan? And that interruption led to separation between God and man. That interruption brought about new perception by which man judges God. You know, people feel that, or we have taught it, that man's ideology of God became corrupted immediately Adam ate the fruit. That was not true. The perversion of man's conception of God started before the eating of the fruit. It was the fruit that actually empowered that rebellion, as I would call it. How do I know? When the great deceiver, the serpent, the devil, the Lucifer, came to deceive Eve, what did he tell Eve? Both, both faiths to pervade, to pervert, and to misrepresent God. He said, God knows that in the day that he, he said this, thou shalt be like himself. What does that mean? That God is a jealous God. That this God you think loves you does not actually love you. You know that it is possible for everybody to be like God, to be like 
God in that they can be independent of him and live a kingdom apart from him. But if ignorant of who she had been made of, God ably followed that suggestion and that shifts the alignment, then the focus of man can shift it. And really, what the devil, the, the devil did not lie to that woman. That in the day that he eateth it, thou shalt be God. The implication of that is that they will feel no need for God. That was what happened actually. So it was not a lie. That is why it is the, it, 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 the fruit of good and evil. What does that mean? What is that fruit all about? Some people have suggested that that fruit is sex. That's not sex. The word of God is so clear, so detailed on what this tree is. So it is a tree of the knowledge, the knowing of the good and the wrong. And that is the problem. That, that, that is what brought about the confusion we are experiencing. God knew his confusion. And God took it, the Bible said God put it at the extreme part of the wood. So perhaps the Lucifer had to take Eve and take her through a long journey to the depth of, 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 of the forest. But save me that story of the, of the stress you went through in getting to the tree. The fact is that God took away confusion away from man. But man went after it. Went after it. It is a tree. God told her of knowledge of good and evil. I said, the day you eat it, you will die. In that, it's going to inject your system with confusion such that you don't know which to choose. We don't know what that, 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 that seed did to Adam. Except the fact that we know that God said they are now become like one of them. And God sent them out of the garden so that they will not eat of the fruit of life and live forever. And that's the case of the devil. He had come into that realm of confusion himself and he had taken of the fruit of life he cannot die he cannot repent he cannot change his status he remains forever doomed forever but god still loving man you know god sending man out of the garden is not an expression of hatred it's the expression of love in that god knows that once man eats of the fruit of life he becomes unredeemable he's doomed forever and god wanting to save man From that critical problem, I have to trust him out of the garden. Lest that which he does not want, the state that which man will attain that it will not be redeemed any longer by God. But let me dwell a little on the tree that bears the fruit of good and evil. That is, this tree has two capacities. It introduces man to what is good and what is evil. But what the devil did not do is that, although it shows you what is good and evil, but it will seize your will, your capability to choose what is good. That although it's a good of a tree of good and evil, but it abuses your will. It denies you the ability to do the good. Now you see, if it had been that, it's just going to give you the strength 
of trying to choose between two open options and eventually she had the capacity to do what is good. God wouldn't have sent her down the way. But God saw that Adam had come to the terrain where he no longer has control over his will and in order to help him correct that error, God had to push him out first. That reminds me um, what happened on the day of my introduction. You know, after we left my father-in-law's place, we came and we were giving a cake. Um, and then later, I was so tired, I slept. But something woke me up, noises here and there. When I woke up, it was a quarrel. What happened? Something happened indoors. So my mom or my sister had to push my elder brother who had gone to be with the Lord now out of the house to prevent strife and conflict because the other party involved was unrelenting. And unfortunately, when, she, when he was pushed out, he was pushed among louds or guys on the street. Who had observed that something is happening in those that is raising an uproar, so to say. So they accosted him and said, Why, why, why did you, why were you not complying to things? They did not understand what the issue was. And that led to another problem. So, mom, in keeping brother from being provoked, brought her out of the house. But three are enter a problem. But that was not the case with Adam and Eve. When God threw them out, unlike my mother, God did not throw us in problem. He took us out in order to mend things and actually planned how he's going to express his love in that he will bring man back into his presence. And that is done already. Sin led to the separation of God and man. That man became a God to himself. That he think he can do things without God is independent of God. That's the problem. So God put him out to let him toil. The Bible said that God made him to toil to see what it takes to be God. You know, when God was challenging, I was the God. Job, after Job had done his complaints and his excuses, God said, "Look, I want to show you what it takes to be God. I will just give you some simple exercises. I want to please make some people dead and cover them up. I want to make." The cloud to be darkened. God gave him some exercises. This that he does so easily. God said, if you are able to do this, then you are sufficient to be in my capacity. So the same thing God did. Okay, since the Lucifer told you that I lied, that you can be like God. So now that you have eaten it, one, you are suffering from confusion, which is, which is the consequence of your disobedience. Now let me push you out to see what it takes to be God being human. And God told Adam before and said, look, out of the sweat of your eyes you eat. Meaning that, look, this thing, you don't have the capacity to run it. I own the software. I own the copyright. And I gave you the license to run it. But then you can't run it without me, the manufacturer. But now, since Lucifer had deceived you that you can run it independent of me, now go and run it. Meanwhile, as God pushed Adam out to go and toy, the problem of humanity started. In Romans chapter 3, Apostle Paul described it. That man can no longer seek God. 
does no longer does no longer do good. His, his imagination is evil continually. His throat is, 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 an, is, is, is an empty sepulchre. He is swift to shed blood. That became the character of the nature of man. Evil characterized man. Another man does not know what is good. As a matter of fact, he had become a free mother agent from the time or before the time before us. Because for God to have told him not to eat, it meant that Adam could choose between what is good and wrong. But the problem is that he still possesses his own way to do and not to do. But now that he had eaten the fruit, the difference between the time of the eating and before the eating was before he ate the fruit, he was a free will mother agent. He can choose actually and then he can control, he can decide what he wants to do. But now that he ate his fruit, he still becomes a free will mother agent, but something else is in control of his will. So what we call redemption in Christ is the restoration of man into God's original intention. So when I said it, I mentioned the fact that things are playing out the way God wants it to play. In that that which God had in mind initially had been expressed, but in a different pattern. Christ is the fulfillment of the law. Now what is the purpose of the law? The law is to restore man back to the kind of man God wanted him to be before the fall. And now, all through the centuries, men had, I mean, mankind had labored to be restored back by his own effort, by his own consciousness of being God in his own sight, of being intelligent. In other words, man had tried to reach, to, 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 to reach a compromise with God, to come to the place of reconciliation through his intellect, through his intellect, through his wisdom, through his insight, through his morals, through his culture, through his belief system. But he had failed. So Christ had to come to bring man back into God's presence. So that which Adam failed have been brought. So that which God had in mind had been restored. But as long as we live in the body, we have got to keep scoring, finding out how really God wants you to live. That's very essential. So God had made known to us what he is doing. Now, the synopsis I have done so far, they are part of the revelation. God had made known to us in the gospel. Now, God is not interested in trying to do things and is not carrying you along. You know you can't overturn him. So he declares the end from the beginning, not because he's trying to show that he's all-powerful, but so that you can cooperate alongside with him, so that you can, you can bring efforts together and spend your life in, uh, depending on him to do what he wants to do in the world through you. That's what we call service. Service is not just running after the things of God. It is you deadness that means submitting and applying and, 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 and trying to, to, to join the, the team of God. So what God wants to do will not just be done by one means or the other, but that you will be the channel through whom he expresses his counsel. I still have more, more, one more thing to say before I leave that issue of the tree of Good and evil. Never you forget what I mentioned so far. One, I said it is the tree that brought about the confusion that is in the world. Sickness is a confusion that men cannot stop. Poverty is a confusion. Harassment, the depression of the devil is part of the confusion. Accident, untimely death, poverty, violence, wickedness in the heart of man, hypocrisy, hatred. Drunkenness ritual, 
and all forms of evil that characterize the world, they are product of that fruit. Of good and evil. And check it. Look at the metaphor used. The Bible calls it the, the, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And check that knowledge is not just the fruit of, of knowledge of the fruit of good and evil. Mm. Knowledge that is the fruit produces something in man. The knowing of what is good and what is wrong. But prior to the fall, all that man was surrounded with and man is occupied with is that which is good and that is nothing but God. You know when that man came to Christ and said, Christ, you know that thou art a good teacher and uh, you came from God. Jesus Christ said, no one is good except God. In Romans chapter 11, Apostle said, behold the goodness of God. To us that believe it is good. So God is goodness. Genesis chapter 1. And God created all things. And God said, Behold, it is good. Well, that means admiration that this thing is correct. But if you want to look at it by the implication or by, 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 by what God was expressing, God said, Look, these are expressions of me because I'm goodness. And even Christ told us that, Look, no one is good but God. So, that fruit brought the problem. That man cannot choose what is good again. Because what he was surrounded by all the while had been what is good all the while. But immediately he ate of the fruit. Now he became confused. Because he's now confronted in the strength of option. Before then, man, it's just like, God and people have had, had um, our body experience. Once you are a child of God, you step out of your body, you are preoccupied with everything that is good. You don't have a thought of, of, of what to eat, what not to eat, what to do rightly. There is something that possesses the nature of God, which is expressed in love, joy and peace. That was the state Adam was. But he really ate of that fruit. He was confused that he could not even maintain focus on God. And even if he wanted to maintain the crowd, because now he is divided. So division is one of the products of that tree. The Bible calls it the fruit of the tree of good and evil. I'm going to check that so I can put the actual word of the scriptures. And the word of God was careful to tell us the result. He said, the day you eat it, that day you will die. So death is the product of sin. And that's what we call sin. So what took Adam out of the garden was not that he wore trousers, he wore earrings. But as a matter of fact, after the fall, such, such things are, were not even available. On the time of Enoch, it was during the time of Enoch when the angels invaded the world, they come with technology. They, I mean, they came with technology. They came with inventions. The Bible called them the evil inventors. Romans chapter 1. They invented evil that took man further away from God. So sin is the departure of man from God. Is man stepping into the state of confusion and losing his will to choose that which is good, which is God. So God is the good which man cannot, cannot choose. So when God said that in the day you he said in the day you eat it, you die. He said this tree, it, it, it has the fruit of good and evil. In other words, God said, Look, the day you eat of this fruit, you I, you lose focus on it. And your focus starts coming to yourself, to the devil who deceived you, and may God. And the problem is that because you have eaten it, that fruit will pollute your 
your human nature in that it will seize your will to choose me who is good. I will go after evil. I will never know what this means until Apostle Paul begins to reveal to us the dilemma of a natural man. And that's in Romans chapter 7. He begins to say that he discovers that he knows what is good actually. But there is a motion of sin. I, I like that scripture. Um, Romans 7 verse 5. When we were in the flesh, the motion of sins that was in our member took occasion of the flesh. In other words, immediately Adam ate that fruit, there was something that was set in motion. And that thing was so powerful that what Adam would control and took advantage of Adam's ignorance, Adam's disobedience, Adam's independence of God, they makes Adam to do that which he does not want to. The life of Apostle Paul as, 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 as contained in Romans chapter 7, in that man begins to struggle with the law, in that he cannot attain the, 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 the perfection he has seen in his mind, is the reality that Adam struggles with. And as a result of that, his body was too weak to all such confusion, so it breaks down in sickness. Nature was badly affected by this evil that nature became corrupt. So things went out of hand and there was a problem in the world. Let me show you that scripture. Two things I want to do. I will show you that scripture in Genesis that talks about the tree of good and evil. I actually want to check the lexim, I mean the phrase the scripture used in describing that tree so we can pick it accurately. Then I will take you to Romans chapter 7 to show you the effect of Adam's disobedience. And that effect is the nature of man. It's what we call the nature of man. It's what we call the natural man. What Christ did was to restore us back to God. And maybe I'll show you that scripture in Acts chapter 2 where Apostle Paul mentioned that Christ had been received into heaven until the restoration of things, until man come into the reality of what he had done. And even in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Apostle Paul told us that Christ had swallowed up in victory, and now he's at the right hand of God, waiting until his enemy is put under his footstool. How is the enemy put under his footstool? Until man, until mankind, is able to see that which Christ had brought for us, that which he had reinstated us with by sacrifice, such that the life God meant for Adam that was contaminated and interrupted now can be lived to its fullest. And that was why I said everything is playing out the way God wanted it. Even in your life as an individual, if you are a child of God, your life has been planned. Romans chapter 8, we know that all things work together for those who love God. Not for everybody, but as long as you love God. And what does it mean to love God? To love God, there means those who have come into salvation. Because salvation is the expression of God's love. So receiving salvation is receiving God's love. So when we receive that love, that's how we love God. You know, people think loving God is going to church. Praying, reading your Bible, listening to good songs, that's loving God. No, it is loving God is salvation. It is accepting the offer. So Apostle said that all things work together for the good of those who love God, that those who have come to know God in salvation. And those who have called, are called according to His purpose, that is the repetition of the same thing. 
being called according to God's purpose is still loving God because now you have responded to God's call and salvation is that call. The Bible calls it an holy calling. Jude calls it your Jude, Jude, Apostle Jude calls it your most holy day. But let me show you that scriptures. I'm going to read from verse 5 to 9. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a rain to till the ground. You know, one of the things I want to review, maybe in, in further discussions, in our places of you know that the purpose of this ministry is just to explain God. But that's the goal of the scriptures. The scriptures was given not just for us to satisfy our appetites in stories, in drama and poetry. The purpose of the scripture is to portray God, is to make us to seek God for ourselves, not just as a dog, but as a human being who is striving towards an end. Now, one of the things I want to know about God is that God is not just irrational. He does not just do things like He wants. God is a God of principle. Now, He's not just a God of principle in that He works by principle, but that even His own self is born by His principles. And His principles are His word. He does not do anything outside, outside His own principles. He does not say because He's God. He does things He likes. No, He doesn't. It is by principle. There are times He uses veto power, which we can't question. And even that, Apostle Paul told us that what we call virtual power or the supremacy of God is not just a loser of doing things. It is a supremacy as expressed in the purpose he has, he has proposed in himself. Now, in knowing God, we've got to know that he's a God of principle. Because if you don't know this, you're going to be bitter. You think God just does things and sometimes when things happen to you, when things happen to you, you think God has not treated you well. That's not true. Is the God of order. And that orderness is, is expressed in the place of principle. It's even governed by principle. God said, said, I exalt my word more than my name. What are his words? His words are his principle. The Bible said that, I, I think that should be a uh, sign chapter 8. He said, the law of the Lord is perfect, combating the soul. He said, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making what is simple. He said, the law of the Lord are good together. They are perfect altogether. In other words, God is consistent, not because he wants to be consistent, but because his consistency is rooted in his principles, his word. So God's faithfulness is not measured in what he does. It's not measured in what he says. It's not measured as in the way he, he does things, the way he uses his supremacy in sovereignty, the way he uses his supremacy in his omniscience, the way he uses his supremacy in his omnipotence. But his sovereignty is expressed in the fact that he had outlined principles by which he operated. So when he told Adam, these are the things you have to eat, these are not the things you eat. The day you eat it, you will die. God is showing him what is part of him. I am a God of principle. I am not evil. It's just like a teacher telling a student, Rich, come to school. Ensure that you are in school by seven. If you are not in school by seven, the gate will be locked and you are going to be punished. 
So when that student come eight o'clock, you know when that student is punished, it was not that the teacher is being wicked. The teacher is just being fair because he had given out his law. And that's why even today, God is revealing to us in the gospel what God is going to judge. Because at the end of your lifetime, that is what he's going to judge. So he wouldn't want us to come on the badge of eternity. Then he begins to disclose to us what is taking. So I'm not just gambling, trying to do this, trying to do that, and I'm being confused of what God is actually looking for in my life. No, I know what he's looking for. His requirement is that I put trust in the Son, Jesus Christ. I receive his righteousness and I live that righteousness. And if I can do that, I am eternally secured of him. That is God's goal in salvation. So we are not gambling here. We know what is obtainable. Now, why am I saying that? Look at that. God told Adam, do this and don't do that. If you do this, this will be the result. And if you do this, will be what you see. That is principle and that is God. So God's faithfulness, God's righteousness, is expressed that is a God that is straightforward in dealings with people, in his dealings with people. Although it is also expressed, expressed in his dealings with us, in how he does things, in how he talks, in his faithfulness, in his consistency. But that consistency, how he dealt with people, how he does things, is all understood in his principles. And that is why he exalts his word, his principles above it, who he is. He will not break his principles. Why have I said that? God in Genesis chapter 1 has told us that the earth shall bring forth every herb of the field, that is every green leaves or every tree, everything that has to do with plantation. God commanded it to be. But God in showing us principles said, look, although I have commanded it, I will not break my own principle. I will cause a mist to go on the face of the earth in order to soften the face so that this thing I have spoken can come through. Principle, God. So when you are praying for a blessing, you don't see that blessing coming into your life. Maybe you are praying for employment, you pray and fast for employment and then come through. You do not be bitter against God. God is not bitter. It's not, it's not victimizing you. It's not just making you to go through unnecessary rigor, unnecessary pains, unnecessary bitterness, unnecessary uh, delay in your life. There are principles. What you've got to find out is why am I having this delay in my life? And begin to find out principles that bring solutions. The reason why my, I mean, mankind have not been productive in some certain areas of life because they have left everything to chance. They left it to prayer. Aside prayer, they do nothing again. But prayer is just one of the principles, one of the ways we can we can do things, or we can influence or get God involved in a matter which He is involved in before. It is our way of expressing our dependence on God, which is one of the core core principles of God that man can live but not independent of Him. So prayer is not just a means of begging God to come and intervene or come and do things in your favor. It is practically God's mechanisms of, of making us to depend on him so that that which he wants to do can be battered through us and so that he can check the outflow, the outburst of the confusion that have been injected into man because of the disobedience of Hitler, of Hitler. Okay, now we saw that. Now let me continue. Verse 9. And there went up a mist from the earth and watered the old face of the ground. God would have caused the old thing to grow up. But he showed principle that, okay, I want this thing, but there are things I have to put in place. So sometimes the reason why you, things are the way they are is because beside prayer, after you have prayed, after you have fasted, after you have meditated, after you, are, you, are, you, are, you, are, you have done good works, there are other things you have to put in place for the result you desire to come. 
Look at what Apostle Paul told us in, Roman, in Hebrews chapter 10. He said, you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you may inherit the promise. In other words, the will of God is one of the things you do. That is, knowing what God wants to do on a particular matter is the will of God. Okay. Now, after you've done all you've known that God wants you to do, then you have got to wait for patience. So, patience is one of the basic principles of the gospel. Hebrews chapter 6, let us follow the step of those who by faith and patience inherit. There is a patience. It becomes an element in the way God does this. God said, let the earth bring forth. But God said, before this happened, God had to do principle. So in knowing God, we have to know God that is a God of principle. And one of the reasons why I said we have to know God to be a God of principle is because if you don't know that is a God of principle, you think you can just influence him to do anything, even against his will. You think you can just, I mean, try to influence him to your favor. You know, if God is not the God of principle, man would have made him to do things against himself that eventually we regret. And that's one of the wisdom of God, that he does things not just by your request, he does things by the counsel of his will. And that is wisdom for us, believers. Do not just let people, do not just allow people to influence, to do some things against your will. Our principles, be principled. Being principle is a practice, a trait we cut from God. Not all events you attend, not all parties you go, not all food you, you attend. You know, I was reading a book, doing just a, a review of that book. The author says that one of the reasons why relationships don't work sometimes is because we are too loose, we are too committed, we, 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 are too, we, are too, we are too exposed to people that they take us for granted. No principles. We don't know when to be involved and when to withdraw. And how many people have lost their life for this? Verse 7. Actually, let me tell you my goal. My goal is, we want to check the phrase that is used to describe the tree, Adam ate. That's where we are going to. But as we are reading, we are seeing some things the Lord is showing us. Now, and the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostril the breath of life, and man became a living soul. There was a particular time I did a, a study on the living soul. Man is a living soul. That is a sensitive being. Is a sensitive response. That is, is a man that can be influenced by things around him. So God was the early influence to man before the devil came to influence man. He was a living. He's a responsive being. It's not just a dog. He's a living soul that he has a free will. He can choose. He has intellect. But the Dominant influence before the fall was God. So, the devil was an interruption in the original plan. And bless God, he was defeated. That's why the scripture said there is a victory that overcomes the world. Why do you overcome it? Who are we fighting with that we need to overcome? The devil. He had not only corrupted God's initial plan, he had also counterfeited it into different religions. But let's go. What was the problem of man? That's what we are tracing. And the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put man, just a garden in Eden. Eden is the location. A garden within Eden. So Eden is larger than the garden. In other words, Adam occupied a fraction of the whole garden, not the whole of the garden. And I believe that that is just a test on that. If you can dominate this space, 
then you can move to the larger dimension. The whole garden is just but manage a garden first. The whole Eden rather is just God meant. But why don't you manage a garden? If you can properly maintain a garden, then I will give you the whole. I mean, maintain a, 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 a location, then I will give you the whole garden. That's principle. And that's very correct when we say that when you are not, when you are not faithful in the least, God cannot give you more. The way to increasing your gifts in the kingdom is not by accumulating more or learning more, it's by using. The more you use, the more it's accumulated. It's a divine principle. God tied it with Adam. He planted a garden. Out of the old world, God created the heaven and the earth, but he didn't give Adam all the earth. In the whole of the earth, you had to plant a garden, a location. And in the whole of the, uh, of the earth then, you had to create a garden out of Eden. Eden is a wide range, although people said it wasn't the location, it was God's presence. But within that presence, within that scope of atmosphere, God said there is a garden, a place you have to master. The whole Eden is for him to explore. But let's see how he manages this garden. I'm not trying to build a doctrine out of that. We are going somewhere. And they put man and woman they are formed out of the ground. The Lord made to grow. Okay. And the Lord planted the garden east so that I'm ready to give verse 8 in Eden. And they put man woman he had made, woman he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God, out of the ground, made the Lord to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight. And good for food and the tree of life also in the midst of the garden not in the front or at the back in the midst at the center at the thick or dead forest that even Adam, you know God took it out of sight he didn't just carelessly leave it there and Adam won the stumble or Eve won the stumble so it took a long conversation and a journey to get to where the tree was. And check it, it was not hunger that led to it. Because the Bible said that everything that Adam need to eat, I mean, that is good for food, I will provide that. And everything that he could play around, that is, ad that is admiring, God gave Adam recreation. It was not that the life was too bored for him. And since he, find, he could not find anything, he only discovered it and was playing around it. He said, look, let me read that scripture again. And out of the ground, made the Lord to grow. Every tree that is pleasant for the sight, that is not meant for eating. But if it comes to be, what, what should stimulate you? What should, what, should, what, should, what should appeal to you? God puts it there. Decorous environment. One, and good for food. The tree of life was also in the mix of of the garden now check the word the tree of life that would supplies life so adam has a constant supply of life so everything everything ever needed was supplied so that he deviates or or or, or he played or he he, 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 he he contradicts divine law divine principle divine motive was not because god was actually victimizing or or denying him of basic needs everything he ever needed had been made but because it's a free with moral agent, God said, look, I kept in the midst of the garden a tree of knowledge of good and In fact, it's not even the fruit. It's the tree. It's an embodiment. 
and a tree is a representation of an ideology. A tree, a structure, a tree, a food, a convenience, a beauty, an intellect, a technology, an invention, call it whatever. But it, has, it, 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 it gives you knowledge of good and evil. In other words, if you are to render that word, the knowledge of good and evil, in the modern world, we will call it, it makes you to know what is good and evil. So it was a tree. When Adam ate it, God said, why did you eat it because of this? And God begins to cause them. He said, God is irrational. irrational. Why would he start causing them? Now, before that, it's good I mentioned that. That tree and the fact that God mentioned the tree to Adam revealed something about God, his integrity. He didn't keep anything back without telling principles. He made him know that this is the tree and this is what he's capable of doing. So why did Adam fail? Because one, he, he restrained the information from his wife, and two, because he did not believe God. So rebellion against God begins from lack of faith. And that's why the Bible said that those who are unbelieving will be cast into the lake of fire. John chapter 3, Christ said that whoever does not believe the Son is condemned already because he had not believed the testimony of God. So that was the sin of Adam, he did not believe the testimony of God that there is a trick capable of making him to be confused forever. And that confusion will take him further away from God. Now, let me show you in, in, in a scripture the effect of that tree. Because in Genesis, we never saw the effect of that tree except that we know that God sent them out of the garden. And when they left the garden, Adam would start toiling, started toiling. And then, not too long, they had children. And then there was chaos, came out to rise against Abel. And then there was problem. Population begins to increase. Then men begin to call on the name of the Lord. Then after which angels invaded the earth. But what that tree, that tree, that tree did for Adam was never told us. What possible made us to realize that? Let me quickly show you that. I will do that as fast as I could. What was the effect of the tree? Romans chapter five. No, I mean chapter seven, verse five. Let me start from five. Let me read from verse 5. I'm going to read selectively. It's a long scripture. Wherefore, my brethren, we, are, we also have become dead to the law by the body of Christ. Now, why was the law given? The law was an app device to help man come back to his normal state. But yet, man find it very difficult to do that which the Lord said. So, cannot still attain God's righteousness, God's requirement for us by the law. And that was what necessitated Christ coming. Because what the law could not do in that, it was, it was what Christ did for us. And what was that? On the account of sin, condemned sin in the body. So the fruit injected man with a poison, he can't recover from. Wherefore, my brethren, we are also become dead to the law. That is because law cannot help us. Now God has taken it away. We are dead to the law. We don't pay attention to the law. Now we can connect with God, not by the basis of do and don't. 
Now we know what is peace because now, because now we have received God's spirit. We become dead to the Lord by the body of Christ that we should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead. So now we can be married back to God. To be married means to be made one with God. So that was why I said, things are running out for us believers, the way God wanted it to run out. Maybe you lost somebody so dear to your loved ones. No, the one of the greatest assaults we can ever have is the loss of loved ones. And sometimes the reason why God does it because he does it in his own sovereign power. He allows it. Sometimes he deliberately picks them. One, to make us concentrate. Two, to give us focus so that we can know that hey, nobody is too strong to die. And so that we can learn the lesson of not possessing anything although we own them in this world. And number three is, um, is, is it could be a test of faith like people used to claim. And one of the things the devil wants to gain in trying to assault us Although it can't overcome us because we overcame by our faith. It's just to make us bitter against God. So, I don't want to know what you are going through. If what you are going through currently is making you to be bitter or to change your opinion about God, then God is not dealing with you as a child. The Bible said in Romans chapter, in Hebrews chapter 10, the writer says that one of the signs of love is, 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 is chastening. However, the father loves his chastening, although he said no chastening is present for the time. But when you receive that shit, you will bless God. So when anything happens so difficult to you, do not let the devil poison your mind. Don't be bitter. Trust him. He is a good father. So we are married. We come one to another, even to him who is dead from the who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth, that we should bring fruit towards God. Now we cannot bring fruit. Now, Adam cannot stand in the presence of God because the fruit of that tree separating from God. But now, we have been brought into the tree of life. We have now taken of the tree of life. Now, the problem had received solution in Christ. And now we can now bring fruit that desire God. Or by desiring God. Now, where I'm going? Now, some people begin to ask, was this place describing Paul before he became saved or after he became saved? This is Paul's life before salvation. He's hearing his experience, what it means to be a natural man. And what the grace of God had done in that they picked up from where we used to be to where we are now in Christ. That is expressed clearly in Ephesians chapter 2. Now, verse 5. For when we are in the flesh, the motion of sins which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Now, check the word, the motion, the effect of sin, the effect of the tree in man did work death in our members. Kills man. Now, Apostle Paul here was talking on the second dimension. Now, it was talking from the law. In the case of Adam, it was not the law, it was the fruits. So God tried, in fact, at the elevated level. Now, this is when God had elevated this problem of sin that God gave law, at least to help to, to alleviate or palliate the problem of sin. Paul said that there is no difference. Then I once, then I begin to think how difficult would it have been for Adam when there was no even law to alleviate the effect of sin. So Christ did something great for you. And that's why you will be forever grateful to what you have done. And the greatest harm you can do is to reject this. Verse 6. But now we are delivered from the law. We are delivered from that fruit and its effect. Being dead hearing, being dead, we are we are that in old Adam that had all them. But we should serve in newness of spirit. Now we have, can serve God in newness of spirit. 
not in the oldness of letter. Next, let's see the effect of that tree. Let me jump to verse 12. Let me read from verse 9. Okay, let me read from verse 8. But since taking occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. In other words, sin made man to lose his consciousness of sanity. So the law brings a man to the consciousness of the effect of good and evil, really, as it were. So sin is the deadness of a man's consciousness to sanity and God's requirement. But in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are installed. That's what Apostle Paul is saying. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. This is still the effect of the fruit. For sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me, and by its living. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and just and good. So the commandment is no evil. The law is no evil. That is what man should be. But man find it very difficult to resolve, to reconnect, to reconcile to what it is to be until Christ came. The law could not bring us to that place we are removed from because of the disobedience and the carelessness of Adam. But the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ brought us there. So righteousness is a life that is good as God is good. It's a life that is just as God is just. It's a life that is holy as God is holy. And that is not attainable by the law of Moses, by your conscience, by devotion to ethics. You know, some people believe that, ah, me, but you are very good people. I'm going nicely. So uh, nothing evil should happen to me. It's a lie. If you don't know God, you, 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 you can't be free. Let me jump. I just have two minutes. Okay, let me just see. Okay, let me go to 21. I find then a law that when I was, when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warning against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity of the law of sin, which is in my members. O rich man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this sin? And he said, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Now, what's the conclusion of the whole issue? That the, the fruit, the tree of knowledge of knowledge of good and evil is a tree that made it very impossible for man to live rightly, for man to desire God. And Christ came to put an end to that problem. So things had been restored back as God planned it. So you can stand up and say, Father, thank you because I'm restored. I am no longer struggling with sin because sin had been removed. That which made it very difficult for man to live rightly as Apostle Paul had mentioned, I've been taken away. Now I can live the kind of life God wanted me to live. Little wonder Apostle Paul said, we have written to you so that you can know how you ought to live. And sometimes it will write, it will write, saying that we have to live a life worthy of the gospel. We have to live a life worthy of our calling. In other words, we have been empowered to live the life God wanted us to live. Bless God for this grace. Can you